0: Hey, podcast family. Today's episode is very important to me. It's a very special one. Today, I welcome the head of Texas FFA, Aaron Alejandro. I met Aaron during the 2017 Arizona Fairs Convention. We both spoke on different days of the convention, and unbeknownst to either of us, ended up delivering very similar messages. I spoke about using social media to tell our stories and market our fairs and our events. While Aaron came in and gave the keynote and spoke about being self-aware and emotional intelligence in our storytelling. He recently drove through Albuquerque with his son on his way to present more in Arizona, and we caught up for breakfast. Now, full disclosure, I had planned to interview him, but it turned out we just had such a genuine conversation before the interview even started that I think the conversation became a podcast of its own and will stand the test of time. We talk global access to food and nutrition, the blockchain, and how we share our stories in the fair and ag industry. Plus, my wife, Sarah, joins us and shares her insights as an educator and school administrator here in Albuquerque. I hope you enjoy the episode.
1: You're listening to Fair Game, the fair industry's premier podcast experience with your host, Robert Smith. area, about 47% of the, of the world population lives in, in arid land so that so creates we
2: only need 100% to feed the world population
1: more food than we have it now Got it. okay and like i said when you don't have Right, 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 and and the thing, and and this was part of our dialogue that we had too, is that we live in a country blessed. I mean, we're blessed with abundance. Mm -hmm. You can go look at. I think you got twenty-seven brands of Dorito chips. When you look at our abundance, it's disgusting the amount of food waste that we have. That so that's that's a issue and I talked about. That's a completely other issue, right? Because of this abundance that we have, we have these debates that are really sad sometimes because we're, we're debating over our abundance. We're debating over so much choice and we're mean about it. And I'm sitting here going, people are dying right now. And we're over here in this country at each other's throats. Mm-hmm. I said, that's a shame. I said, we ought to be working together and saying, let's feed people first. Yeah. And then let's debate later. So anyway, it's going to be a challenge. You know, it's going, to, it's going to be a real challenge in terms of geopolitical. It won't be. You now, some people are worried about, you know, religions and stuff like that and political philosophies. De- desperate people are going to do desperate things. And when they, you have a population that's hungry... They shouldn't worry about the religion. About food and water. Mm-hmm.
0: They I shouldn't worry about the religious aspect do. of it, though. They, sh- they heard, should worry uh, about the blockchain. That's what's going to break everything.
1: I heard... Uh, uh, Hugh Grant, the President of Monsanto, speak one time, I was at an event and I just thought it would be interesting to go hear what he had to say, so I go in there and he was talking about a village in Africa that he was visiting and uh, they pulled up to the school and all the kids were out under a tree, the schoolhouse is in the background, and he goes, oh, that's great. He goes, you're getting your kids outside, fresh air, new environment, learning, you know, dynamic adventures, et cetera, and they said, no, I said, you don't understand. They said, we cannot get anything to grow here. Nothing grows here. The ground is too hard. There's no water. We're, we're, we're in droughts most of the time. He's, they said, but y'all created a drought-tolerant seed, so now we have grain, but the only place we have to store it now is in the schoolhouse. They said, our challenge now is not food. They said, the challenge now is, is we've got all this grain, but we can't get over that river here to get to that village over there. And we don't speak the language of this village over here, so we don't know how to get them in touch with our guys to know that we have food here. Right. So when we talk about the challenges, the challenge are not just going to be production challenges. they are going to be so much opportunity for marketing, linguistics, engineering. The opportunities in food are going to be huge, but they're not going to be what most people normally think of when they think of food. So when you
0: say that that was the seed that was created that was Drought tolerant uh-huh. is that considered a GMO? Scene? It is. Mm-hmm. But everything I read says GMOs are all bad.
1: Yeah. No, and that's you're, you'll the, the, the debate about GMO is really finally starting to kind of taper off a little bit. There's a new one coming, by the way. So I met with the American Seed Trade Association. I was asking them because I'm always trying to find out, you know, try to spot the trends, try to find right. out what's coming. They said, yeah, for the most part, GMOs finally kind of coming full circle. Again, people can make a decision of what they want to eat, but pretty much there's the debate over GMOs is finally starting to settle. They said, but there's a new one coming. I said, what is it? It's called GE, genetic engineering. So now what they're doing, just like what they do in humans, by the way, right. is instead of saying that we're going to introduce something into this organism, now they're just going in and modifying the DNA of an existing organism. So they're taking the DNA of corn or the DNA of something and modifying no, no, what? No, 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 what? Yes, but they're not introducing anything new into it. So GM, GMO is you're introducing something new into the genome, Right. that gene. Right. Genetic engineering is you're not doing anything except going in what already exists right. and plucking stuff off the helix that's <clears throat> undesirable. Got it. Got it.
0: So, like, in a human genetic engineering, it would be include plucking things out that are, like,
1: arthritis and things like that. They're already doing it. If, if people only knew some of the science, it's already taken place. I think right. they've already identified in rats the gene that causes aging. Oh, I have no doubt we're going to, in the next hundred years, there's going to be babies that are born that will live to 140, 150 years old. One of my favorite speakers, if you ever get a chance to come across him, go see him, okay? His name is Dr. Lowell Catlett. Matter of fact, he's from New Mexico State University. Yeah. Dr. Lowell Catlett, and he's a futurist, and I've I've been hearing him now for decades. But the first time I heard him speak, so I heard him speak twice within a two-month, six-month period of time, I heard him give a speech called Green Cows, Quags, and Mummies. (laughs) That was the name of the speech: "Green cows, quags, and mummies," and he talked about green cows. He talked about quags, which is an uh, ext- extinct animal, right? And mummies, and he was already on the leading edge of what was coming in terms of all of the stem cell and all the research and everything that's coming down the pipe, right? But he said, what's gonna happen when we can take a cow? He was just using really simple language that the public could understand. He goes, and we take an animal cell and we pop the mitochondria out of the animal cell and we replace it with a chloroplast cell. So now you have a cell that's capable of carrying on photosynthesis, but is housed in the genetics of beef animal. He said, so in essence, you will walk out and you will see green cows who will not only be foraging, and converting their forage, but they will also be utilizing the sun. That's kind
0: of frightening,
1: and yet really kind of fascinating too. So so the amazing part of that story, like I said, was in a matter of six months, he had gone from that initial story, yes, and uh, he went from that initial story to Texas Tech University, without the use of a grant, had isolated a chloroplast cell and a blue-green protozoa, which is an animal. Everything
0: look okay, folks?
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, okay. thank you. Can I get some hot sauce? You got hot sauce? That salsa?
2: Salsa, yeah. We have a uh, green
1: chili and the red chili. Red chili. Okay. So anyway, so it's fascinating. When stuff. we're
0: talking about GMOs and genetic and genetically engineered food and things like that, you said your prediction is 30 years from now we'll need 100 percent more food to sustain the population that we do now mm-hmm. is that possible to reach that threshold
1: without gmos and without the genetic that's culinary? why i say at the end of the day your science has to play a role and science has played a role in medicine um, you know i've got a i don't i don't mean to be offensive with what i'm about to tell you i'm just going to tell you a story so i've got oh. A we take no offense. I got, I, I've got a relative who's very, very, very much a, a naturalist, okay? And I'm talking hardcore, way out there naturalist. Mm-hmm. And we got into... Is it hot? Mm-hmm. Got into some of these big debates about all this. And I just asked him, I finally just said, just out of curiosity, he lives in Houston, Texas. I said, when you get sick... I said, which witch doctor do you go to? <laughs> and he goes, well, I don't go to a witch doctor I go to a doctor. I said, why? I said, because you know they use synthetics. I right. know you, you realize they're using improved uh, science right. to make people well. Right. I said, you can't have it both ways. You can't say that I can only consume this way, but my medicine can be this way. Because at the end of the day, we're talking about lives.
2: I'm fine for now. Thank you. At the end of the day, right. you are talking about
1: lives. Right. Now, if if we can get somebody, I'll I'll tell you another story here in a second that you'll really like, but I said if we can save somebody's life and improve their economy and then give them a food choice where they now have the capacity to eliminate a GMO, what's wrong with that? Yeah. But in terms of either sustaining their ability to live, for us to to take that option away from them, that to me is very inhumane. That to me is problematic. I think you got to save their life first, and then try to find ways to introduce the education in sure. the the choices that you need. Right.
0: It was like the there was one gal on um, Penn and Teller series on the um, their bullshit series huh? that they did when they did the PETA episode. Mm-hmm. The one gal that's with PETA and I don't know if it was the head honcho or who, but she I guess her she had cancer or something. And the medication that she took that saved her life, by the way, was tested on animals. Absolutely. And her attitude was, well, my life is important because I need to save the animals.
1: And it's like... Now, see, that's not fair. You can't... There, you're playing both sides again. The lady that that I did the interview with, it was interesting because as we went through all of these scenarios and all these circles, we actually agreed and came back to the same basis. And we said that. I said, you can't apply one standard here and another one here. I said, there's a lot of people that are against animal agriculture because they don't like carbon gases, they don't like transportation. And I said, well, it's fine to take that position. I said, but what about transporting the food? What about vegetables and fruits? Right. I said, how's that any different? And she agreed. Yeah. So what I'm saying is, as we went full circle, it came back to right. the only way you really know is to grow it in your backyard, grow in a local group that has the same standards. Right. Otherwise, you're not going to know. Period. That makes sense. Here's one for you. I always love when I learn something new in terms of all of these, how they connect. So we got a friend at our church, he's a doctor, and he and his wife support a ministry over in Africa called Jacaranda Ministries.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And he comes to the church and asks us for money, uh, but mainly he comes to the church asking us for Pepcid, uh Benadryl, Al- yeah, medications, allergy, things like that. So I got in a discussion with him one day, and I said, Terry, I said, what is it that you really need? I mean, what, what can we help you with? I know you're coming to the church with this appeal for meds, but is there anything else you need? He said, well, we could always use money. That's okay, what do you do with the money? Good question. I said, what do you do with the money? He said, the first two orders that we place before we ever... Get started over there, and he said we're already seeing an improvement in our village. By the way, it's gonna make sense. I'm about to tell you is uh, for warmer and vitamins. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, Aaron. He goes, every kid that we see walks up to us at these kids' age. Yeah, and the doctors will ask him what's wrong? What's wrong? So they're like seven, eight, nine, ten, mm-hmm. and Got the kids it. will look at them, and they will point to their head and they will point to their hind end, and they will say, worms and worms. And he said, because they don't have refrigeration, they don't have cleanliness that we have, he said, the majority of the kids over there are living with five parasites in their guts. Oof. So when we have all of these discussions about feeding the world, we're sending food over there, and we don't realize we're losing. Because that kid is never able to... Take that nutrient because the parasites. Because the it. parasites beat them. So you need antiparasitics. So you have to warm them first, and then as you oh warm God. them, you're giving them vitamins. So that's the reason why in their village they're seeing improvement because now they've got the parasite killed. They got a steady stream of nutritional food, and they've got vitamins to help sustain them. Because before we were sending
0: all the food, and it was the parasites that were taking it. The parasites were winning. That's just insane. It's such a, small, a little macro. You know, you think, oh. I mean, it sounds good for politicians or countries to be able to say, yeah, we donated $100 I'm, million dollars in food aid. But I'm literally saying. $80 million of it got eaten by parasites. The value good. of it.
1: Depending on where it went. Could have been. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. That's why I say I was really intrigued by the conversation because I'm an ag guy. And I know that we worm cattle, I know that we worm, you know, livestock, I know that we even worm fish. Yeah. Most tilapia's been worm. There's reasons why you gotta worm, because if you don't, there's parasites that'll consume what you're trying to feed them. But I never thought about it in terms of feeding the world that's hungry. Right. And when i did i thought oh my gosh this is a great speech material yeah <laughs> I, yeah I got, I got something new next oh, up my water here yeah that's you so i got something new to add to my repertoire now
0: well that no that's an excellent story to add because it gives context mm-hmm. like that's what we miss so much and like when you talk about here in the united states you know we have the most abundance in the world and we're arguing over silly nonsense because we miss context right you know
2: are you kidding <clears throat> we're upset when twinkies go off the shelf
0: yeah when you go off the shelf we get but like, listen we that's complain, a great example. we complain so much like somebody that's good. somebody gets like you know them somebody orders a cheeseburger without onions and it comes with onions and they complain and send it's like just take the onions you know we complain in this country and we have everything
2: and I'm sure there's like, absolutely there's a cost difference. <coughs> Why not send like non-perishable items instead of the fresh fruit, fruit vegetables, etc. I know there's nutritional differences. I'm sure there's cost differences.
1: You're going down a a really another deep deep discussion, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and it's beginning to take shape and by sure the way. I'm
2: That's what the other side is. We'll just send non-perishable, and that'll take care of it
1: so what so remember what you
2: exploring this remember what we
1: said you got to have a hundred percent more food okay Mm -hmm. so sugars and carbohydrates those are easy Mm -hmm. those are easy to get to but protein is going to become a real challenge it becomes a challenge for a couple reasons one you don't have the land to grow it you don't have the water to raise it you don't have the water to clean it once it's been processed okay So protein now becomes a real issue. So when you are watching the news and they're talking about Memphis meats, fake meat, plant-based protein, growing meat, the reason that discussion is taking place is not because of fad. While there are some people that want to consume that because that's the way they choose to eat, it's also taking place for a very real reason that those companies are smart enough to see how are we going to get a protein to a third world country that doesn't have refrigeration mm-hmm. or the same capacity?
0: That vegan protein powder we need just needs to not get too hot or too cold. So
1: I just store it in my pantry. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I and mean, it's so, pea protein mainly is what's in it. Right. So that's the reason that's become a big issue. So they're
2: exporting those types of proteins as opposed to the animal proteins.
1: Correct. And you're also getting into... Conversion rates. So a lot of people don't think about conversion rates. So like cattle, you got a real high conversion rate. You're talking probably you know what I, I don't want to misrepresent what it is because I forgot what it is since my bowag one, two, three days, but I want to say five to ten pounds of grain to get one pound of game. Okay. Pigs are about the same. Okay. Chickens start to lower that. The absolute best conversion you get is fish. Fish is about a pound of food to a pound of gain. It's really efficient. But you don't always have the ability to grow fish. Yeah, fish kind of need water. And and we know that it's a limited resource. And we know it's going to become even more limited in 32 years. Yes. Cities are starting to be concerned because cities are growing urban sprawl. They know the world population is growing. There's a lot of debate over the immigration issue. And it's really, a lot of that debate is really a little bit misplaced because it's all about what we see in front of us today. And not taking into account limited resources of our cities, states, and country yeah. in the future and what our kids will have to live with. California's going to feel that real quick. You know, that's a sad thing. Is the, these issues are all so deep, and they require so much thought. And most people, they don't want to spend the time. They, you know, it's like we you heard. You heard in my speech. I always tell people: people don't want to be educated. Right. So that's the challenge we had: is how do you present a message in a way that intrigues somebody to either explore it on their own or realize there might be another option. Right.
0: This is like doomsday-level stuff now that you're talking about. No,
1: <laughs> it's never been doomsday-level. One of my favorite quotes in Washington D.C. is at the Jefferson Memorial. I think it's on the inside of Jefferson Memorial. I think it's where I saw it. But he said, "Out of great necessity will come great leaders." And I, if you look at the history of the world, that's that's what's true. That's what's always always happened. Somebody genius will come along. Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, Mark Zuckerberg.
0: Yep. We got a few of them so far, right?
1: Somebody's gonna come along
0: and you know when people want to talk about with the internet and smartphones and, and social media how bad it's been and Yet that's created more opportunity for more people around the world to compete than ever in history Absolutely. Right like 40 years ago 30 years ago even if you wanted to be You know if you wanted Do you want water? no, I'm good
2: more coffee?
0: Sure 30 years ago, if you wanted to have a hit record, there were like five or six old white guys that controlled the record companies, and And now you just put everything out on SoundCloud or Spotify, and if the market says, we like that, then they like it.
1: Album covers probably cost more back then, too. Yes, Mm -hmm. big time. Big time. Anyway, I just know that, you know, you kind of like that kind of stuff, and you're always trying to keep up with it, so I just think it's kind of interesting Mm -hmm. since the last time I saw you, all this that's Mm happening... That is kind of fascinating. I love it. See, and for
0: all the talk of, of food, I mean, ultimately, when you look at human history, the thing that have destabilized and broken societies are the fight over resources. That's my point. Food and water. That's exactly what I'm saying. Now, that's always, that's
2: always now
0: imagine this, though. We have societies now that are drawn out by borders, our countries. Now imagine in 30 years when blockchain technology has fully commoditized in the marketplace it eliminates the need for any middleman, it kills the central banks, it basically ends borders, and you've got three or four countries, Russia, India, China, the United States, that will do anything in their power to stop it. Because it
1: delegitimizes the need for them. One of my board members is Ryan Bolton, he's the COO of Allflex. Let me tell you about Allflex. About 60% of all the livestock ear tags Chips that go in cats, dogs, and fish in the world are all flex products. Brian was in London, England, he's now back in the States, but you get in a conversation with Brian, and then it's interesting to hear him talk about what he sees traveling the world and where we're headed. We've only got four countries that can really feed the world. Right? We're one of them. Well, don't our farmers typically produce, what do they say, like 60% of the food for the world? I'm not sure what the stats are, but definitely we produce beyond our own ability to consume. And then you hit another topic while well, ago, that's wave. Yeah. An example sometimes when you don't listen, because I told him, no hash browns. Right. Saw as soon as he put the plate down, I saw that.
0: <laughs> so you've spoken now at, because I met you at Arizona Fairs last year. You spoke previously at IFE. I know you did a good little run of three or four. Um, associations Mm -hmm. in January up in the northeast. Your talk, see, I I found it interesting when we met at at Arizona. I had just given my social media talk the day before, (laughs) and I talked (laughs) very much from the the theoretical side of it, how we use that to build our brands and tell our stories, and then you came in, and you put the cherry on Mm. top with self-awareness and and your emotional intelligence of you know the thought of it looks really simple when you've got a a goat in the ring and they're they're holding the head up mm-hmm. but the people that don't know that that's just how you stack a goat that's not right. a big deal the goat's not hurt the goat right. doesn't care look at it and go oh you're choking that animal right so how has your message been received when you've spoken it? it's excellent yeah everywhere but because
1: I, I, you know, I believe it's, I'm going to use an analogy I heard one time that makes a lot of sense. Here it is. He we always ask people, have you ever tried to drive your car with the emergency brake on? Everybody laughs and yeah. I said, how many of you done it so much it doesn't matter anymore? I said, you know, somewhere along the way you look down, you go, you big dummy, the emergency brake's on and you take it off and the car does what it's supposed to do. Right. Life's a lot the same way. There's a lot of times the emergency brakes on, we're trying to give it more gas. when All you got to do is pop the brake off. All we do is look down and go, well, I think what's happening is... That's it, a great analogy, because if you look at what we're doing, literally, we're doing it to ourselves right. in this industry. Right. So that's exactly what I'm saying. So going out and having that speech and sharing that and putting it up there, by Wow, I never thought of it that way. Right, and because what, that's just second nature to put a picture like that up and so from what, the FFA or whatever. So what it's doing is it's immediately now triggering them, and the the learning curve is just just like that. Right, because as soon as they see that, they go, "That's what we've been doing. We got to change the way we're doing that." Sure. So it has. Uh, right, you know, the, 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 as you might suspect, the only real pushback that I get sometimes. And there was the gentleman that had me out in Pennsylvania. I uh, I made a comment, and I hope I didn't offend him because I didn't mean to. But I just said, you know, if you don't have social media, and I looked at the guy and I said, now you're on social media, aren't you? And he said, no. And I said, then you're irrelevant. I said, this is
0: 2018. If you're not
1: there, it's, it's you're irrelevant. It, it, yeah, and I just tell them you're, you're just noticeably absent. That's the words that I use. Yep. I said, "Listen, you're just absent because a lot of good discussions take place. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of varied opinions that are shared, and if you're not there, you're not part of the conversation." Right. So you shared the thing that
0: Rodeo Houston put out. Mm-hmm. That was a fantastic story they had, okay. and, and I saw your note. Right, and yet my I look at it and I go, from a tactical standpoint, I'm like, that's the story we need to tell, and yet I look at tactically, they didn't caption the video, and that hopefully they put like if it were me, if I was Rudy Houston, I go in and caption that video, and I put 200 bucks to push it out
1: and give it some legs. I shared that, by the way, with somebody who can make that happen. So we'll see what happens. Oh, that it should be captioned and pushed out.
0: Mm-hmm. That was a—I f- mean—that's an incredible story they had, and it was quick. It was only like a two-minute video.
1: It's a quick little interview. That's why it was so good. It was quick. It was to the point. And it was emotional intelligence. Yeah. You could not deny that kid's appreciation and gratitude. You could not deny that kid's passion. Right. And didn't he say he was an immigrant kid, wasn't he? huh Yep. That's what I'm saying. It had, every, yeah. it had all the right
0: components. Yeah. That was a fantastic piece. So, I would I would hope... And the, the cool... Here's the best thing, you know, again, about the internet. Play tic tac That thing's out there forever. Like, it's there. And if Rodeo Houston wants to take it and caption it, if IEFE if wants to do it, if the FFA wants to take that piece of content and say, hey, we're going to push this even further, it's there. Go push it. I was glad Marla saw that. She picked up on it. That's this. the story we need to tell. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, here you got an immigrant oh, yeah, kid that good. comes in, and Rodeo Houston and that event has, you know, the FFA and whatnot
1: has changed oh. his life. hmm okay. For the better. So we've been here almost an hour, and I've just talked the whole time. What do you do?
2: I'm an assistant principal at an elementary school. Awesome. So. Yeah, I don't mind listening.
1: Big believer I'm in public ed? Am I? Needs, no. needs some tooling? It needs a
2: lot of tooling.
1: It's broken. It's interesting. It's straight that you up, say just that. say it. Systems it's broken. Especially when you look at New Mexico.
2: System's broken.
1: I've been re- reading a lot, and doing a lot of study just in terms of Thank you. systems. Okay, you? Yeah. There are some horror stories that are right here in the state of New Mexico. Oh, yeah, yes, there are. Horror there are. stories. Yes
2: you know, and the trend is nationwide. I think the model of public education,
0: mm-hmm.
2: what was, mm-hmm. is no longer going to be valid. Mm-hmm. Um, society has changed. And interesting, listening to the conversations about you know the fair market, the ag industry, et cetera, et cetera, um, I think there's a huge majority that are not recognizing that public education is no longer as valid as it used to be, and they're hanging on hard and failing miserable.
1: That's that's my. I think that's it right there. I think I, I would say there's still some validity to it, but. I don't think we give teachers the respect they deserve. We don't give them the control of their classrooms that they deserve. We don't give them the tools they need to be effective in their jobs. We don't create the learning spaces and environments. So it's all those things together that I think are really creating discomfort for educators and also for consumers' parents. There's
2: more to it, there's students. Who learn differently. They're oh, yeah. are not going to learn in that cookie so Absolutely. You know, um, what we are finding that's coming out of the universities are teachers are not understanding what pedagogy is, which is the art and science of teaching, how mm-hmm. to teach. Mm-hmm. Um, so they are given, here's this curriculum you have to follow it day one do this day two do this well if they're off on a day they can't teach because they don't know how to they know how to follow the script in the book
1: and is that coming out of the teacher tech trainer at universities too yes yeah Mm -hmm. yep
2: you know so it's very interesting to see which how different universities are training different teachers and which ones which ones can teach no matter what and which ones can't. Um, We are pushing, and it's extremely successful, um, our STEAM lab, which is essentially a guided makerspace kind of area. So students are exploring all that engineering technology, Mm -hmm. and they are learning through that exploration, doing a phenomenal job, collaborating with other schools, collaborating with high schools, collaborating with the Air Force lab, actually, that's also in town, Mm -hmm. Um, doing amazing, amazing work, but then I've got another group of teachers that says, well that's not how we've done it, we've always done it this way. That's, a, the, the language getting,
1: right there says everything you need to know.
2: It's stagnant, so it's...
1: That sounds familiar.
2: It's pushing...
0: It's not how we've done this, this before.
1: Ray Kroc said, when you're green, you grow. When you're ripe, you're right. And he's right. So we're either trying to grow the systems that work and compete for the minds of kids, yep. or we're we'll going to keep doing it the way we've always been and doing. And we have
2: a big mix mm-hmm. happening yeah. in a singular location all over. So it's very, very hard to even, to just change that way of thinking. Same
1: thing we have in ag education. That's it's and exact it's, it's
2: fascinating to watch because it was, what, five, six years ago when Common Core really came out. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was this fight against, they're still fighting against mm-hmm. Common Core know, that I actually really like it. Yeah. Um,
1: i tell you who made the best that. argument was Mike Huckabee. I think Huckabee came out in support of Common Core. Mm-hmm. So for a conservative as hard right as Huckabee to come out yeah. and explain why, It made sense. But see, what
0: what I always saw, especially coming across Facebook and Twitter and whatnot, were examples of the curriculum. So you had Common Core, which is the set of standards, which I've talked to Sarah at length about, and the standards are fine. The problem is the execution,
1: and that's where the curriculum comes in, where it's so poor. That goes back to campus administration. A fountain can only rise as high as its head. Bottom line. And a lot of
2: them, it's districts. It's absolutely right. It's so
1: I like it. I yeah, it's the, you're it's right. So that's
0: people, why I said that. And people. I, mean,
2: I, have, I have some authority to make certain decisions and things like that. But, but the, the, district the district tells you what curriculum. certain. Absolutely. Yeah. And parents,
0: what you and, saw and on and Facebook, ours, they were mad about. They were ultimately mad about the curriculum, but they just they, said, "Oh, this
1: is Common Core, and that's not what it was."
2: Sheet. This is what Common is like. No, that's that's just a poorly chosen worksheet.
1: Well, so here go back to what we said. public does not want to be educated so uh, social media has now become the number one source of food information that is a scary statistic yeah because I'm just believing what is shared and that is exactly what you're sharing they got something I always tell people I said the day's of you finding the news are gone. Mm-hmm. Now the news finds you. And not only does the news find you, it's the news you want to find you finds you.
2: Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. typically the ones that are listened to are the ones with the loudest voices.
0: You got it. will you talk about the whole, I love listening to the, the Russians stole the election. No, they didn't. They put some ads out on Facebook but your human behavior caused drove you to it. click on it that's and right. share it. And,
1: and drove it. And you right. did it. All if the you, bugs and, and analytics, and I tell you people, drove it.
0: If you don't believe that's the case, take a subject that you have zero interest in, like underwater basket weaving, search for it, and like the first five posts that come back, and then see what ads start popping up in your feed. That's good. Like, that's
1: it. That's good, but that's exactly right. During
0: the election, I got so tired of all of it, Every post that came up, whether I agreed with it politically or not, I clicked on the little down arrow and told it hide post, hide post, hide post. After about three weeks, quit getting it. I quit getting anybody's political stuff, whether it was Hillary or Trump or Brexit or whatever. Because Facebook said, their algorithm, the edge rank right. went, Push he doesn't want to see right. this, and so I started getting, oh look, right. here's this thing about this fair, here's this thing about the Mets, here's this thing about baseball, like, so it got to things that I liked.
2: And what, what scares me now is technology is moving so rapidly. Uh, teachers are having a hard time keeping up with it. They can't. They're behind the times. About ten years back, technology-wise, understand. Sound like the very so they are trying to teach students how to use this technology in safe ways, in educated ways. When they are not understanding it themselves,
0: how
1: it works. So and that's and created, the kids are already there. Uh, they're, they're early adopters. They're, they're, yes.
2: yes. Yeah, they're they're naturalists at it. Yes. They, I mean they.
1: My three-year-old grandson Liam. Liam can pick up a phone. He can turn it on. He can surf through. When something pops up, he knows how to close it. He knows how to go back to That's it. this one. He knows
2: too. And okay. just
1: like, yep. wow.
2: So, and I, I, I hear this argument, and this is my continuous battle, and I'm hoping I'm not failing at this. That we have issues come up, especially with social media, the social media bullying with each other, mm-hmm. or. Um, sharing pictures back and forth or information back and forth so sort of that. We as a school need to help step up and help protect our students even though it's at home so we try to do it through education but it's it's a how do we, how do we do that? How do we accurately do that? And the the argument, well, just take the phones away. Just take it away. Just take it away. And it's it like, work. no, you need to you show to, them right. how Absolutely. to safely Absolutely. use this technology. Right, which means they it have it to, but that means and teachers
0: have to so get into that space and understand how that works.
2: Teachers need to help parents get into that space.
1: Yeah. And the,
2: because and the I'm up.
1: not, I'm not at the house. And well, no, I. Agree. Yeah, and you have a lot of parents that are absent. That's a sad thing. So, oh, sure. You know, before I took this job, I used to work in a boot camp. I worked with true and offenders, and I worked in a prison. So I actually went to Austin to turn this job down because I loved the work that I was doing with at-risk families. And that's it right there. I used, to, I used to tell the boot camp kids all the time. I said, anybody that cares about you will never let you off the hook. I said, if you want me to show you some kids that are in deep, deep trouble or in prison, I'll show you a parent that didn't care what they were doing, where they are at, or had was completely disinterested in what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Bottom line. Yeah.
2: And there's too many of them.
1: We have a program in Texas. I thought you, you might like this. Uh, by the way, now that you've had all this wonderful ag information, <laughs> you need to start saying STEAM instead of STEM. So I always throw agriculture in there. But there you go. We have a program in Texas called A Square. And so what it is, is you got all these standardized tests, right? These kids have got to pass these standardized tests. And school districts know that's important because that's how you get your funding, right? Correct. Okay. So that test score means that's a how lot. how you get
2: in the news. Right. Or stay out of the news. Correct. Is important.
1: <laughs> so we've got A-squared, which stands for Agriculture and Arithmetic. And so what they're doing is they're taking these kids that are struggling with some math concepts, geometry as an example. They put them in the AD class, and the teacher says, "Okay, here's what we're going to do today. I need you to uh, I need you to weld that uh, those rods together perpendicularly." Okay? okay. And the kid looks and goes, "I don't know what is perpendicular." I ninety degree angle. I need a ninety degree angle. Oh, sir, an ma'am? Name. I don't know what that. Well, let me show you. So he puts a T. And he goes, "That's perpendicular and that's ninety degrees." Oh. Now he goes and takes a test. Test scores go up. Because so you have a practical application
0: of it. That's, that's
2: exactly why what we need. That's, that's
1: why Name I need what? She, STEAM. STEAM education. STEAM, yeah. STEAM, yeah. Steam. 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 Yeah, but when she said that, though, that's exactly what I was referring that's, to, yeah. is you're utilizing a student's ability to say, you know, there are those kids. I was not one of them. I mean, you're looking at a guy that made a 14 on his ACT. I should have never gone to college, more or less on five scholarships. It wasn't that I wasn't smart. As a matter of fact, once I got into college, I never failed a single course, never made less than a any course. But I learned differently. Mm-hmm. I can probably learn a lot more just sitting and talking to people than yeah. So
2: you needed to be taught. Different.
1: I recognize that I had to. This is some, this is a, this is a how do I have to say this one? Robert heard me talk about this. Life is about having a competitive edge, mm-hmm. and if you don't recognize that for yourself, then you will not find ways to do it. Sure. I recognized that my strength was not in reading I would ha- I would I would do it because obviously I had to but I could take the same thing I read I could get in the conversation with somebody and I could really put the glue to what I just read that's how I learned it's one of exactly why I tell
0: fairs in my social media talk when you're creating your content you need to th- yes uh, we get told videos the big thing right now well that's great if you consume video but 85 percent of videos consumed with the sound off this one here sarah at night will be in bed and giggling at nothing and i'm like what are you laughing at and she goes no look at this and i'm like you don't even have the sound on she goes no but i can see on the captions that's how she consumes this one will read everything so my thing with fa- with fairs with like tell your story make a video make a still photo write a blog post because and why do you do all that because there's some people that need to read the information there's some people that need to consume it visually some people that consume it with audio
1: like there's different ways to get to people and tell that story so i used before i took this job i used to do some consulting work and i did a lot of presentation skills training i would teach people how to get up and give presentations even though i've never had a class on it So I used to use this example. Who is by far, bar none, there's not even a close second, who is by far the best communicator of all times? Best communicator of all times? Absolutely.
0: I don't know. I'd put Tony Robbins up on that list. Historically. Historically? Nobody.
1: Nobody even comes close. Can I talk about any coffee? Good, thank you. So who is it? Jesus Christ. Okay. Here's the reason why. Yeah. It didn't matter where he went. It didn't matter if he walked into a room full of children, if he walked on the streets talking to beggars, workers, or the highest ranking priest. Wherever he was, his message, whatever it was, met that person where they're at. Interesting. So when you go out and get, what I would teach people is when you go out and give presentations, I said there are some people that just want stats and facts. That's all they want. There's some people right. that want stories and analogies. Yes. But there's a lot of people that want both. Right. So when you give that presentation, you have to give a presentation that meets an audience, which is typically made. So you, all you're saying is that Jesus was the best marketer of all time. He knew he, how he, he he knew to how, tell a story. He knew how to get his message, which if in fact there is a higher calling, I think that that's a, that's, that's a pretty telling yeah. See you know what I'm saying? For sure. That he was given that gift of being able to do that. And and, and and so I tell people all the time, whether it's Tony Robbins, Zig Ziglar, which, by the way, Tom Ziglar's on my board. Yeah. Maxwell, Lucady. I mean, there's great, great speakers. I mean, there's tons of them. Nobody is saying something that hadn't already been said. Right. People are just saying it in a way where that other person gets it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That's the reason why some of the stuff you know, you and I were talking about the way you present. I can tell you, there's a lot of old farmer groups. I know you're not going to be their guy. Oh yeah, I'm sure. You know what I'm saying? Because, I, I, I and that's agree. And not, that's not a criticism. No, it's just their learning style is different from how I teach. The way they're going to get that message is right. going to be a lot different. But I can tell you, there's a lot younger audience. They're going to look at the man. That guy, that's pretty cool right there. Mm-hmm. It's a little, yeah, ed- it's a little edgy, differences, right? There's
2: also, classification like the economic classes here. Information.
1: Correct, yeah. They
2: need a story versus here's two minutes of quick stats, here's what you need to know. But but here's the
1: reason why I I appreciate what you're doing, and I appreciate what others are doing, is you could choose not to have that dialogue. You could choose not to offer that communication up, but who's to say that the one person that may be sitting in your workshop, my workshop or somebody, Mm -hmm. could be the next Steve Jobs of social media right. that changes the game because sure. of something that we sure. started. Or if it even
0: even somebody that just hears one of the things we say and changes their entire social
1: media for their fair that they're working it. at. I've already seen you some of stuff that you've done. Oh yeah. I've already seen some stuff that some of the L- Laura Murick from to.
0: Montgomery County Eye Fair I stand up and I make a quick I like, ask a question and I did a, like 90 seconds I talked about Snapchat and gave them an idea on Snapchat. I knew out of all the people in that room, maybe one person would execute against it. And they did. And the idea was, you know, if you're having a student day on a Wednesday, why not Monday and Tuesday, mm-hmm. put filters, geolocation filters over every school in your area mm-hmm. to, to drive traffic to it. Mm-hmm. She came back at IFE in November and she tells me, well, our fair's in August. Kids don't come back till after Labor Day. So what we did was took that idea and we put it over every 4th of July, major car show, all mm-hmm. that time. Mm-hmm. Between then, our, she said they spent $1,000. They got over 750,000 views on it. Mm-hmm. That's 75 cents per 1,000 views. That's I love it. A, where, what billboard is getting awareness for that cheap?
1: Well, then go back to a comment that you made a while ago about what our kids are doing. The, this, the last statistic that I saw... Is that seventy-seven percent of all communication now on social media is taking place in dark social? Yep. Well that's a hard one. That's a that's a that's a hard one for an educator. Now it goes back to what you said. You've got to try to provide some education, a little CYA. That's a real sophisticated yeah. <laughs> education term. You <laughs> gotta you gotta create a little CYA because if you don't, and then all of a sudden some of this is exposed, then the poor teacher or the campus is Kind of exposed to
2: right.
1: when it's never your intent. But there's right?
2: that fear of we can't look like we are nosy. We're being nosy or privacy. We there's privacy or there's, oh, I get you it. Know, this is not the school's job to educate kids about blah blah blah. And it's like, yeah, I get it. It doesn't have anything to do with reading, writing, math, et cetera, et cetera. But you better start acting fast, or we're going to have some serious issues. Oh, yeah.
1: I know. I Trust me, I say it with the boot camp kids. You know, it's, I still go in about once a quarter, and I still go in once a quarter because I think it's good for me, and it's good for them to go talk to the kids because I can relate to where they're at and where they've what they've been through. But that's the challenge. I, I
2: think it's, it's coming hard and fast.
1: Think about it. It's
2: hard. And we, we... I tell you right now, I don't think people recognize it. I reckon we can't keep up.
1: Well, the, the, the bureaucracy of public education... The bureaucracy of government... Yes. ...is not nimble enough... It's not. ...to allow you to be able to capture those trends quickly. Right. So, and even no, when they start
2: to be recognized, like, hey, we got problems, the problems... Which, by problems.
1: the way, is one reason... I'm a big proponent, and I'm telling ag science teachers. I said, teachers in general, by the way, I said, Robert's heard me say this, I said, when I go to your social media, I ought to be able to tell you're an expert in three areas. Seventy percent of the people that follow us on social media don't really understand what we do. Mm -hmm. We have a platform to brand ourselves. We have a platform to say, this is what I am. I am a public educator and I can post, if I just give a steady diet of information about what I deal with in the classroom, what I need from parents, what I need from students, what I need from my administration, Mm -hmm. if I just keep a steady diet of that, guarantee you people would go, you know, I was thinking about public education and oh, Sarah, I I recognize, yeah, she knows Mm -hmm. what's going on. You become my expert. Now think about how many.
2: I know you told me.
1: How many experts in a community? That's
2: challenge. I can't keep up with that. How many
1: experts in a community, though? Think about in terms of Texas. Just went through it. Uh, Texas teachers were up in arms over our new, or over our lieutenant governor. Mm-hmm. They want him gone. They want him gone, and they're going to rally against him. Right? They're going to rally. We're going to get rid of Dan Patrick. Right? Mm-hmm. It was embarrassing. If that's teachers rallying in Texas... How many were there? We're in trouble. Oh, he he trounced them. He trounced them all, which I knew he would. I'd already seen the handwriting on the wall. And my deal with teachers is this. I told them, I said, you cannot get in the foxhole and try to make yourself relevant. You've had 364 days to make yourself relevant. You can't make it relevant in one day. Mm -hmm. You've had all year... All year to brand yourself. Same
0: thing happened in Wisconsin when Scott Walker went and busted up the unions. Yeah. They had, th- they could have done it. I'm good right now, thank you. They, you know, they
1: could have branded. They could have created their brand. But that, but it goes back to whether it's parenting, whether it's finding a competitive edge, whether it's improving education. You know, uh, Robert heard my speech. I use uh, Lincoln's quote that the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of government in the next. As educators, you have to compete for the minds of students. You don't go in and teach. I think, but see, I, I think we use verbiage that. It's outdated. It's outdated. You gotta go in there and compete for their minds. By God you're gonna learn today. I'm gonna do something today that makes you want this information. Because the Kardashians every day are telling you what fought me, follow me. And if you know what I'm doing, that's more important than what's going on in government. Yeah, if
0: you wanna if you wanna fight for the here's what you're up against, okay? Mm -hmm. Teachers spend K through twelve, teachers spend thirteen years trying to influence and educate our children okay was it one of the kardashian or jenner girls the other day posts does anyone even open snapchat anymore and snapchat lost 1.6 billion dollars in valuation like that so think about what teachers and educators are up against Can any teacher say something like that? But here's the thing I think
1: teachers need to hear. I I take a group of teachers on a leadership experience every summer, and I take them about 1,000 miles. We'll visit about 12 locations. They'll hear from about 40 presenters. But when they get off the bus at the end of the week, they say, you know, I don't recall ever being told thank you as much. I never felt as appreciated Mm -hmm. as I do. And teachers need to hear that. I mean, when, When school starts, I always go tell every one of my kids' teachers, Thank you for what you do. I know it's going to be a rough job. You're going to have ups and downs this year. Just know you're appreciated. Yeah. Because I don't hear that. They well, hear it the became complaints. easy. To
2: feel
1: it. it became easy for they the politicians. Hear the they just don't it hear became the easy for politicians
0: you. to scapegoat the teachers. I agree. Because it's easy to beat demonize up on that. them. Yeah, they're weak. You demonize the teachers because then you don't have to. Pay. Nobody's looking at. Wait, it was doing. your education policy that they had to execute against. I agree. You know, and that was here in New Mexico. You know, Y'all people want to blame yes. New, people want to blame teachers all over New Mexico, and yet no one wants to look at not only Hannah Scandera, our previous sector of education, but for decades before. Like the ed policy in this state is abysmal, and then we blame teachers for not executing well against it. Well, if your plan was crap to begin with, no amount of executing is going to make it
1: better. You got to change the plan. But do you want to talk about it. You're recording everything so far. So far. So what do you want to talk about?
0: <laughs> officially, this has been officially. This has been. This could be a podcast in and of itself. <laughs> no, we've had a good good conversation. I was I thought it would be more of an interview type, but I'm perfectly happy with how this has gone. And what do you want to add to this?
1: I mean, by the way, this is Aaron Alejandro. I'm an expert yeah. on nothing. By the way, so. <laughs> As, I, as Robert yes. quotes Or I'll, I'll spices and dices I just want to make sure I, I'm on the right there, so no, s- there will be no I'm an expert and dicing on nothing <laughs> so I've just lived an interesting <laughs> life And I'm just sharing the, Some of the stuff that's come across my path
0: Yeah, I just thought I would set this up as an interview And then we just started talking And it was, a, you know I think this could be a podcast And I don't even have to edit this I will drop the intro on it And I will press play
2: And I haven't been mic'd, so it might be at one side. I have
0: been leaning towards you a little bit. I can go back in and audition and bring that audio up a little bit. I think all
1: of these are healthy (laughs) discussions and there's so many more that need to take place. Thanks for uh, inviting me to breakfast at a really cool restaurant. I'm glad you called that you texted me that you were gonna be in Albuquerque. But I thought, you know, if I'm passing through and we're not on any timeline, you know, that's what networking's all about.
0: Well, I'm glad it worked out, because I leave on Wednesday to go back to the Sarasota County Fair, so we fit it in perfectly. Thanks for being on the show. You betcha. Podcast family, I hope you enjoyed this episode with Aaron Alejandro. Before I go, I just want to give a quick shout out and thank you to Marcus Casimus and the team at Hello Deli here in Albuquerque for hosting us. Their food is fantastic. They're open for breakfast and lunch, and they're located near Jefferson and I-25 here in Albuquerque. So if you're in the area or if you're driving through en route to someplace, I know they'd love to see you. Thanks for joining us on the podcast today. We'll catch you next week.